For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This summer, Sprite is bringing you the Live from the Label Tour, featuring live stream concerts from your favorite hip-hop artists, including Lotto, Saweetie, and Jack Harlow. Need a ticket? Just buy a Sprite bottle and scan the label. Scan three bottles and see three of this summer's hottest shows. We causing a commotion. Brought to you by Sprite. Get your ticket to Sprite's Live from the Label Tour when you purchase a 20-ounce Sprite or Sprite Zero Sugar at your nearest retailer. Copyright 2021, the Coca-Cola Company. All rights reserved. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans use their homes for better living. Whether that be through refinancing your mortgage, accessing cash through your home's equity, or helping you purchase a new home, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333, licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing, equal housing opportunity. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Alright, thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Co-host Connor Miles here, joined by a very special guest from Locked on the Eagles. He is the co-host of that podcast, Gino Camarilli. Gino, thanks for joining the show, my guy. You got it, Connor. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm sure you guys have uh, seen my name around uh, Connor's Twitter. We're always talking. He was in my Locked on Eagle crossover mock that we did back in April. He's uh, always been a friend of the pod, and I'm uh, glad to finally be on your show here, my man. I know. It's long overdue, my man. Uh, We were in the DMs talking, and I was like, we got to take this conversation to the podcast. Yeah, it's almost easiest that way to do it. it, Oh, man, because you can just get all your thoughts out and all that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you tweeted too, and then everybody was like, "Well, you know that didn't that that module you guys were preaching didn't really work." And I'm like, "Uh, I mean, agreed." Because John Snyder couldn't draft or anything. And what we're speaking of is, Junior tweeted out because we were having a conversation about what the Eagles should do if they continue to struggle, how they should approach this team, and I said they should go full Seattle rebuild mode, retool the whole entire team, build around your core players, your. I'm going to say Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz can mm-hmm. turn around, even if he doesn't at the end of this year. I think this is still a quarterback you build around. I don't think you throw in the towel on him just because of how the first three games of the season have gone. That's I think that's way overreaction there. 
So you take him. You take Miles Sanders because he's a huge playmaker, superstar in the run game. I think you look on the defense, and there isn't really – I I want to say Fletcher Cox you still keep. Mm-hmm. You want to build around. But, again, is the money's really high there. Money's really high there. You look at Seattle, what they did. They, they, they took Earl Thomas out of the equation. They took Richard Sherman out of the equation. The, how we feel about Fletcher Cox is probably how their fans felt about those mm-hmm. guys during the time that they all left. And then Cam Chancellor obviously retired too. You look at these guys on this defense, and it, it, it might be time to just change the script, you know, fire Jim Shorts, get a whole defense, new defensive coordinator in there. And maybe that defensive coordinator goes, you know, we have all this money invested in the D-line. Let's switch it up. Let's invest it into the secondary. Mm-hmm. Let's lock up the safety position. Let's get these corners in here. Uh, let's fill out cornerback too. Let's let's get a legit uh, slot corner. And we'll build within the draft for the defensive line. And, you know, Josh Sweat looks like a guy you can build around. Maybe that's the player I would pick, which, I mean, that's very soon to say that. But maybe that's one of the guys on defense where I'm like, that's a guy I want to build around. You know, Seattle has John Snyder who can't draft. Mm-hmm. I think which is very fair. That's he, a he fact. <laughs> it's a fact. He, I think it's him and Harry Rosen are just identical, man. Mm-hmm. They attacked all – they're aggressive. They attack the trade market well. They do free agency well. They cannot, for the life of them, draft. Neither of them can. Mm-hmm. They have horrible track records in the draft in the first couple of rounds, especially Seattle the last couple of years was drafting horrible. That's why people right away were like, these guys aren't, uh, uh, you know, I'm not really trying to follow that module. And, you know, it's early. We understand that. We understand that the Eagles could turn around. This division is very winnable. They could win seven to eight games. They might win it this year. Mm-hmm. But if they continue to go, if they go out against San Francisco this weekend, they look bad as they've been looking so far. You got to start thinking they're going to make changes. I mean, it, it reeks of a season. How they've been playing so far reeks of jobs being lost. A lot mm-hmm. of change coming. So that's what Junior and I were talking about. And I was like, we got to take this to the podcast because I think the changes you got to make is number one, you take high Rose and you strip him of his personnel decisions. It's done. You need you need to just give that up. You know he's proven to you time and time after again. The common denominator when the dream team failed, when Chip Kelly experiment was fizzling out, and now with this situation that's going on with the Eagles right now and how they're fizzling out as a from a Super Bowl contending team to a barely can even can't even beat the Bengals. Yeah, at this point in twenty twenty. You have to start making thinking this guy is the problem. This is the issue. Mm-hmm. They've gone it, – dude, it's insane, this wide receiver position, that they just cannot get this wide – it's six years since Jerry Macklin has left his team. Six years since Jerry Macklin departed free agency, and they haven't had a wide receiver over 1,000 yards. They've tried it with Alshon. It, it worked for a Super Bowl, and then his next season was fairly decent, but – for what the Eagles had paid him, for what the Eagles expected him to be, no, he hasn't lived up to those expectations, mm-hmm. I would think, from a wide receiver one production standpoint. Torrey Smith was an anomaly in a Super Bowl season, but that was always supposed to be a one-year fix. That wasn't supposed to be long-term. Deshaun Jackson, his return has been a disaster. Mike Wallace was an absolute failure. Golden Tate trade was awful. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has it panned out, won't pan out, I don't think. I think you finally even admitted yourself you waved the white flag. Yeah, I was I was the head of the JJ train and yeah, I think what you said all encompasses a lot of the issues with this Philadelphia Eagles team and it's not to say that yeah, we're bad, we're overreacting. It's not that. It's how I operate as I'm an accounting master's degree, so I'm a type A personality as you can understand and 
I am always looking for the root cause of everything. So what is the root cause of the Eagles issues? I think there's a three pronged approach that really breaks it down into what the issues are. I think personnel, Mm -hmm. I think coaching, and I think the overall culture currently in that building is just not a place where you want to be for many different reasons. And I'll start with the culture. For example, we are now going on three years removed from the Super Bowl. How many of those players are still on this roster? Mm-hmm. Way too many, in my opinion. Frankly, because when you win a Super Bowl and you look at it, there's a few anomaly teams. Like you can look at Kansas City last year, a very young team. But all of those teams that are winning at the, the Super Bowl, they're at the peak of their of their mountaintop you know like they're just coming over to where to where the story set you up and you're you're at the top and everything aligned the stars aligned much like they did in Philly in 2017 but the thing that separates the good teams from the great teams from the Bill Belichick's of the Doug Peterson's of the world is the ability to have an reactive approach to that situation or a proactive approach to that situation. I want to read this quote that I I found from the show that I watched today. And I think it perpetuates well with the understanding of what exactly happened after 2017. And this comes from Jill Ellis, who was the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, won two World Cups, very acclaimed individual. And she said, when you're at the top, the challenge is to make sure you're competing not just against everybody else, but you're evolving and competing against the best version of yourself. And I think that was perfect for our discussion today because since 2017, in your opinion, Connor, have the Eagles innovated their ways on offense or defense? Have they innovated the way that they've brought in personnel into this building? Have they innovated the culture in any given way? They have been happy winning that Super Bowl for the past three years. When you and I we're thinking of 2023, 2024 at this point because they have they are so far past that proactive window into bringing in guys, into moving on from, let's say, you could have moved on from Tim Jernigan after that year. You could have moved on from a few of the linebackers, Nigel Bradham, for example, that receiving core that allowed, or the, the cornerback core that allowed 500-plus yards in that Super Bowl. I think the Eagles have been very reactive in their ways, and I think what happened in the last two years, making the playoffs kind of put a little Band-Aid over that, and that leads us to the coaching decisions. And Doug Peterson, who also is a common denominator in this whole factor, has he innovated his offense? No, he's still running a very blase-style offense, and you look at Andy Reid where every week you're like, what? what is this play? Or like, I even watch college games in Conference USA, and I'm like, man, even this – this plays like why can't we have somebody doing this and to me it's I don't think the coaches in that building and this kind of combines into our last point get the best out of their personnel and like you said is it time to rip the band-aid off and take this formula of players that we have that in your and I opinion who we've gone through the scouting academy we hold our evaluations of player in high regard I still think there's a lot of good football players on this team But the fact that Rasul Douglas, the fact that Chandon Sullivan, the fact that Devontae Bowsby, the fact that countless other players, I'm just naming one position, go on from Philadelphia to have success elsewhere goes to show that the personnel that they bring in is underdeveloped and they don't develop it the correct way or the the developers are there and the personnel they bring in is the wrong personnel. And I think it's a combination of all three. You're never going to pinpoint one, especially with this Philadelphia Eagles team. 
But right now, I think you're at the point where reactive versus proactive is passed, but you can continue to be reactive and still think that this team stands a chance in the grand scheme of the NFL, which if you watch what Kansas City Chiefs did the other night, good luck, my friend, because this Eagles team isn't even playing the same sport. But to me, I still think you have a very, very good young quarterback in Carson Wentz. You have a very good running back in Miles Sanders. You're still going to have two building blocks on your offensive line with Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. Even if Kelsey does retire, I think you found some diamonds in Nate Herbig and Sayamalu, which are solid players, but we're not going to say they're not replacement level, but you got to develop some players at some positions. And Stoutland, I think, has done a good job. On the defensive side of the ball, yeah, it would stink to move Fletcher Cox, man. Trust me, I I love him more than anything. I think he's an elite ball player, but at what point does his play start to fall off? Because even this late into his career, man, it's just not what he was in 2016 and 2017. It just, it frankly isn't. And at what point do you say, okay, we need to get younger. We need to get faster. I think they started to do that, but I still think they're waiting to to rip that final segment of the Band-Aid off. You know, I still think there are a lot of moves in-house that are still Howie Roseman being buddy-buddy with some of these players and the coaches and vice versa, i.e. I, Nate Geary with Jim Schwartz. Yeah, that was very good input on your part there, my friend. I, lo- I loved it. Um the Sky Academy shout out, of course. Oh, of course. Have very, to. very So that's why I I feel like because I brought up Lewis Ray on the pod already before. And I'm like, you know, he kind of like gave us some great insight during mm-hmm. the Sky Academy. I feel I feel like I have like an inside track on him a little bit to think that this guy can handle personnel decisions here in Philadelphia. And he's been with the organization before as well. But the thing is, Harry Roseman has not been able to get the wide receiver position right. right. Hasn't been able to get the cornerback position right. They keep recycling these wide receivers coaches, but they recycle through the corners instead of recycling through the defensive coordinators. So it's weird. And that's that's the thing, Connor. You make a very good point because I said the same exact thing. I'll never forget it. I say it on my show all the time. Uh, Last year in Buffalo, I had the fourth and John guys, Gail and all them. They came up when uh, they played the Bills here and me and Lou had them in house. And I looked right at Gail and E-Rock and I said, do you guys agree that on paper, going into the 2019 season that Howie Roseman had done enough on paper at both of those positions. And both of them agreed with me and said, yes, the thing is this game isn't played on paper. So you have to find that disconnect. Is it the talent evaluator or is it the developer? And that's what they need to find. That's the root cause that we need to address that Jeffrey Lurie needs to address. Because like you said, we're cycling receivers, coaches, we're cycling defensive backs, coaches, but we're still allowing bad defensive performances allowing 29 points a game your offense is struggling to get to 20 points against bad defenses maybe it's the coordinators maybe it's your head coach and there's a clear disconnect there's i mean there's a clear disconnect yes the front office and the position coaches and the defense coordinator and it's crazy because they they do let jim shorts make all the decisions for that but i mean i don't know if i can't honestly say jim shorts said draft davion taylor I don't think yeah, I don't. I, don't, I, I really don't either. think he would. I, so or I don't. Sean Bradley, I, I know or Kevon Wallace for that matter, because none of them seen the field. Right there, he's not playing any of them. And then mm-hmm. first thing he said in training camp is safety position is going to take a bit. But I mean, Mar- Marcus Evans is out there taking pivotal snaps, and he hasn't even played much longer than Kevon Wallace. So I don't really right. understand that that theory there. But the point is, they they bring these guys in like J.D. Arcega Whiteside for one. I actually had a player on the team tell me that he thinks. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside can be good. 
It's the fact that he just does not fit this system whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they're bringing in all these players. And now all we hear is they don't fit the system. They don't fit the system. They don't fit the system. I think that was a Joe Douglas, Douglas pick. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely a Joe Douglas pick. And but that's that, another reason why, Connor, you, you talk about what was the common denominator. What hasn't been the common denominator? Schneider, I don't know his player personnel guys, like whose right-hand man is, but I know here in Philly, Howie had himself, and then he got turned around and had Chip Kelly take all that responsibility away, and then he comes back, and now he's got Joe Douglas. So it's like we need to either, one, stop with all this cycling of everybody or two, completely change the GM because the GM either has to set his guys. I, I was uh, in Mobile, and I literally had to read a scouting report to Scott Pioli, who was in the uh, Kansas City. He was in New, or- uh, New England for the longest time with Belichick. And he says, and he said that the Patriots, for every single player, all the way down to the practice squad players, they have, what is their measurements? What is their exact role on the field? How is their production cut? Like everything is so standardized to them that it is almost a quote plug and play type system. I think there's so much confusion between the front office, the coaching staff, the players to to the point where it's who can we even put on the field? Because like you said, players think JJ could be good. And I also, I love JJ for as much as he ripped my Oregon Ducks in college. I think if he went to Buffalo right now and was the fourth receiver in that Dable led offense, which is invigorated and McVeigh and how he can scheme guys open. I think it would be excellent. But where you're in this Doug Peterson offense where you have to run your routes to pinpoint accuracy to set up timing from Carson Wentz, who also has to be pinpoint accurate because nobody's schemed open. It's just not a combination for success. And, and that's it, man. It's the disconnect because if, if you cut off the head, that the body will fail in in way that Greg uh, Williams, we're not going to give him any credit on this show, but I think it's a great point because if the top of the organization doesn't know what they're doing at the bottom of the organization, it's never going to work out and the stars are never going to align. There's too many voices. They, Absolutely. So Joe Douglas, like you said, Joe Douglas is in here. That's one mm-hmm. voice who had a pivotal role in drafting because I agree with you. He was a, that was Jay Jell was his pick and everything. And 2017 draft, we always say is Joe Douglas's draft really right. – and then you have Jim Schwartz who's making all the personal decisions on defense. And then you have Doug Peterson who I don't know how much personal say he says on the offense because no. I don't know if he said he wanted Jalen Hurts. Uh, I know he didn't want J.J. Arcega-Whiteside apparently because his offense doesn't fit him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The quarterback doesn't even fit him at all. So you have that many voices on diff- these different types of players. And then Joe Douglas leaves. There's Andrew Barry that ha- also mm-hmm. has some kind of role in this front office as well. Then he leaves. And how he attacks his draft. And he adds all speed, and then they can't even incorporate the speed that well. Now there's injuries. I it's just they rely theoretically. It makes it's how you're supposed to draft. You're supposed to draft athletes. You're supposed to draft players that play multiple positions. But now it's at the point where yeah, they did that, but these guys can't get on the field. So to me, I think Jim Schwartz is way past his days here in Philadelphia. I will stand by on my qualms and say that Jim Schwartz has only had one good defense in his entire career. And that was the defense he had in Buffalo when they were top three in in every category. And outside of that, he's been very subpar. And Doug Peterson, man, I love him for who he is with the players. I think he connects excellent with the players. But he's one of those guys that simply doesn't understand the X's and O's as well as he should to be a play caller. He needs Frank Wright back. I mean, mean, he doesn't need exactly Frank Wright back, but he needs his – Frank right back. He needs mm-hmm. that type of person that can help him adjust during games when things don't go to script. Because he's 
him and Carson are so identical. But when mm-hmm. things start falling out of structure, those guys don't know how to react. No. And Jonathan Filippino was there to help Carson keep it all together. And Frank Reich was there to help Doug keep it all together. Because as we said on the show multiple times, Ed and we've had other people mention it as well. Frank and Doug would game plan for the game the night before together at, at Doug's house. Like they, mm-hmm. when when things weren't going right, Frank knew it right away. He knew how to react to Doug during the game. He doesn't have that. He didn't have it with Mike Rowe. He has doesn't have that yet either. And the thing about uh, the innovation that everybody's asking, where is it? Where is it? Rich Cangarello was a horrible play caller too. Denver couldn't wait to get him out mm-hmm. the door. And, I mean, I know they went from Joe Flacco to Drew Locke, and it did improve a little bit, but he, he could not call plays for the, to save his life. They, they I only think he lasted a year there, to be honest. I'm pretty sure it was only a year as offense coordinator, and then they moved on to Pat Shermer, who, I mean, mm-hmm. makes me shrug my shoulders too. For that one anomaly year in Minnesota, I don't think he's been a great offense coordinator right. either. And Denver couldn't wait to get him. So I don't think they added the, the strongest personalities to complement Doug because – Doug is a great play designer. He is not a great play executor. Yes. And he doesn't stick to the – I mean, I can't even get into this run game. It's mm-hmm. just excusable. This is why I think – and I did say Jay Gruden, but I think that's a, such a common answer that I wanted to do some research, and I did, and I came back to this pod. The offensive coordinator that I'm targeting next year to help Doug with play calling, to help him level out and have a balanced attack, Mike McDaniel from the 49ers. That's a guy who mm-hmm. I would bring in here for your offensive coordinator immediately, especially now that all the – the rules are changed with promotions and stuff. I would go ahead and offer because now they can't even block it. They can't block the interview. Mm-hmm. That's what the rules change. I would go ahead and interview him. I know everybody's gonna be like, "Well, you just robbed somebody from the Shanahan tree. Why would you do it again?" McDaniel is not. I mean, Kendrell is not McDaniel. That's mm-hmm. a whole different. That's a future head coach. And again, people are gonna be like, "Well, then you have the front and right situation." I don't care. I want immediate results. Think you hire a guy like Mike McDaniel, you can not only let's just say. Theoretically speaking, it's Zach Ertz's last season in Philadelphia. And they move on to a Dallas Goddard number one tight end role next year. And you swear up and down you're going to go in and all in on Miles Sanders next year for some change. Mike McDaniel is the coach you want to go with there. The maximize Goddard's full potential, use him in a kid or right type role. And not only that, the run game, the zone mm-hmm. run game for Miles Sanders would be amazing under Mike McDaniel. So that's where I go ahead and fix the offense. And I just go ahead and fire Jim Schwartz. Yeah, I would I would have done that last year. I I don't want to change two years ago. <laughs> I know I I, I would have done it last year too as well. But uh, look, you gave him the number one corner. You told him this is your last chance. Like you had a fair shot. What more can he get to to allow himself to make excuses? Because I'm telling you, I'm not a defensive guru in any state or form. But I can understand that Nate Gary isn't a good football player. I can understand that running sticks defense hasn't worked for three years and it's cost you several oh, games. Dude, you can't run the sticks defense if your defense can't tackle. I, I, I don't understand like what's so hard to understand about that. This Malcolm Jenkins was your best tackler through and through, and he's gone. So if you yeah. can't tackle, stop playing sticks defense because they'll just – when Joe Burrow immediately snapped that pass, he saw sticks defense, what did he do? Mm-hmm. His first read Dumped was – Dump it off. Because he knew those guys weren't going to tackle him. You mm-hmm. can watch the film. You've seen it the last couple of years. These guys can't tackle – yeah, it's it's really bad, and to me, the the Schwartz thing, I, I think he is the ultimate individual of non accountability on this team because I don't think he's ever been held accountable. Like he has to talk, what is it, once a week or maybe once. Yeah, every and then other when week. he did, he had a good press conference. I will admit, he handled it way better than Doug Peterson for sure, and that's yeah, not that hard to absolutely. do right now. But 
I mean, he got like as everybody started giving him credit. I'm like, look, this is bull. Nicole Ruby Coleman played with him in Buffalo. Mm. He played well in his system. He knows the defense. He's playing horrible right now. Darius Slay is playing up the par, but I don't care who the defensive coordinator is. Darius Slay is going to play well. Right. You can't mess that up. That's the thing. Yeah, you mess everything mess up. else up. He's messed up the ten other variables on defense. The man. defensive it, line too. I, I we're all we're all taking a break on the defensive line because of the Cincinnati results. Cincinnati has the worst offensive line in the yeah, league by I mean, far. That's what by far. Up. If they didn't if they didn't have five plus sacks, I would have demanded Jim Schwartz would have fired mm-hmm. that day. A lot worse defensive coordinator, I would say a lot better defensive coordinators have done a lot with less than what Philadelphia has because you have $60 million in your defensive tackles alone, all have pro, all pro, pro bowl honors in their name. You have Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, I think is arguably a future pro bowler if he continues on this trajectory, which I, I think he has all the tools to do so. You have all that money locked up there. And then they finally bring you that corner that you wanted, but now you can't fit the pieces together again. And it it doesn't seem to make sense to me. And everything is a circle with this organization. And they just don't understand that one of these little things, you take out one of the chains in the wheel, I guarantee it'll, it'll break something. Because after that Bengals game, if you fire Jim Schwartz, I guarantee they have better results on Sunday. Just because they realize, okay, Things are real now. Like, we can't just sit around and we aren't just going to have our jobs. What is happening on the field doesn't do them any justice. It doesn't do the young players that are trying to develop any justice. It doesn't do the veterans that should be playing any justice because, frankly, I don't think Nate Geary should be on the football field. I don't think that Nickel Roby Coleman should have played in the second half of that game. I don't think there's enough accountability across the board with anybody outside of Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz who right now I would say definitely have questions to answer, but I wouldn't put the blame of what has been going on the last three years with Carson Wentz. Absolutely not. Three games is completely different. You're not going to look at me in the eye. Nobody's going to look me in the eye. I know everybody's taking their laps and tell me that Josh Allen is a top five quarterback in football any day of the week just because of three games of football. And you're not going to tell me that Carson Wentz is a bottom five quarterback just because of three games of football. We have to come to a shared reality of understanding of what Carson Wentz is. He is much better than what you had in Kevin Cobb. He is much better than what you had in Sam Bradford. He is still a top 15 quarterback, even when he's playing bad football. I I, I think that's what people need to understand. Even when he's playing bad, you're still going to get a 60% passer. I mean, that's pretty good in the NFL standards. I mean, when it comes down to it, I don't want to get into the same old seven and nine rut that we've been in or nine and seven rut that we've been in the last two years. You take your quarterback and you build off of that. And frankly, I think they have the guy, man. I just don't think he's been done any favors by how they handled his back situation, how they brought in Jalen Hurts, that he's had 20 wide receivers and 10 of them are out of the league right now. And I just think that he has so much accountability on his shoulders when he shouldn't, and there's a lot of people that don't have enough accountability on their shoulders when they should, and it comes down to the culture, which I talked about once again, and a team that won a Super Bowl based off of how the culture they had in 2017, man, they are so far removed from that team. It's not even the same Philadelphia Eagles, in my opinion. No, it's not at all. They, they they don't even look like they're trying anymore. That's Mm -hmm. what's sad. Like, when I... when. 
And that's why I'm happy about Sunday, man, because you're going to get a lot of these young kids that are going to go out there and want to play good ball, like John Hightower, and I guarantee Greg Ward will want to go out and play good ball. Oh, Greg Ward always wants to play. Yeah, right, for sure. Greg Ward stand through and through, but, I mean, you could tell he's playing for a job every time he goes out there. I appreciate that. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And more people need to be playing like that because if you're not going to get benched for playing bad, what does it matter? Nate Geary should have been benched week one immediately. Should have never been in the game. And what is the precedent that he's going to be starting week four for you? He's going to get eaten alive by that play-action game in San Francisco. Alive. Right, Gina, let's just say one thing. They lose to San Francisco. Let's just say they lose. Okay. Look, right. Theoretically, they lose. Do you start making these changes? If you're, I would say, you know what? Yeah, Jim? you're four weeks away from the trade deadline, man. Like, it's not going to get better. It's not. If you go, yeah, if you're 0-3-1, then you have Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I mean, excuse me, yeah, Pittsburgh and Baltimore coming up. I I would probably be like, you know, we have to see what we have in the rest of this defense. We have to see what we have in a guy like Marquette Manuel, if he could be the guy that comes in and be the replacement for you. Because, look, it's over. And I can only imagine, if they get exposed by this Kyle Shanahan 49ers team and Nick Mullins, you have to pull the plug. I think this is where you – you know what? We need a very big change to shake everything up. We need to really shake everybody there in the core. The injuries excuse got to be done with because here's the thing about injuries. I know that we the, the Eagles are cursed. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Philadelphia Eagles are cursed with injuries, but you're supposed to draft well to have the depth to overcome some of these injuries because a lot of these injuries are your veteran guys. You're Deshaun Jackson's of the world. You're Jason Peters. You're Brandon Brooks. All these major injuries always end up being these veteran guys. None of the youth, none of the death comes in and, and, and backs it up. So, because you look at these past couple drafts, are man, they, are they not getting a chance though? Because they aren't. I don't, I, I, I don't think. I, I don't I mean, think Rasul Douglas or Sidney Jones got a fair chance because I think Sidney Jones single handedly saved the season for them the last two weeks of the season last year. Rasul Douglas, every time he came in and played football, he made an impact. They didn't even throw to his side in in New Orleans. Honestly, I think they were just tired of wasting time on Sydney, dude. It, no, I, I agree. I agree. I totally agree there. I man. feel like they've made it. They were fed up with, especially because it, it was like go off for like the whole entire training camp. I think they were I just like, yeah. no, we like Craig James. We like some of these guys that we actually saw practice. We're not going to afford to lose them for the right. guy that keeps proving time and time again. There's little Douglas. You actually have an argument with because right. he's off in Pittsburgh. You know, excuse me, in Carolina, balling right now. Absolutely playing great for them. He, he's playing press. That's what it right. is. He's playing the pump and go out there, and he's pretty why is, why is Darius Slay playing as much his own coverage as he is? Why is he playing off 10 yards? I knew it was going to happen. Jim Schwartz, is, as much as they say that he plays a mix of man, it's always 58% zone last year. It's on trajectory. I, I think it's 56 right now on pace for 56 That's the thing that drives me crazy. It's because I'm somebody who likes to cook. I make I cook seven days a week. If I make a recipe five times in a row, and it doesn't taste good five times in a row, there's probably a good chance that I will change the recipe the sixth time. Jim Schwartz has cooked with that same recipe for five seasons. And you guys have a problem with this. See, it's Doug a bad Peterson problem. doesn't adjust. Jim Schwartz doesn't adjust. And guess who else didn't adjust? Chip Kelly. They uh, they have not had any coach come in and be in, like creative, mm-hmm. innovative. Not only that, I think Sean McVay is – I mean, as much as I hate the Rams gimmick offense – He's doing a lot more of the dump-offs, the short passes, mm-hmm. the end-arounds this year. Not as much as he did last year. And it's funny because his biggest speed threat, he let go to Houston. So mm-hmm. 
he could come in in every season and change it up a little bit. And a Super Bowl winning head coach can't. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing different from this offense. It's always playing. They always know what we're doing. Carlos Dunlap comes out. I mean, Miles Sanders did do damage when he was on the field, but he even said the Eagles were scary running against them. And the Bengals were the worst run defense in the NFL. And, and that guy felt compelled to come out and say that. And I, I mean, I agree with him. I think Doug Peterson doesn't trust Boston Scott and Corey Clement as much as he says. I think Jim Schwartz doesn't I – mean, he knows the linebacking core is bad. I just think he doesn't think anybody's better on this team than Nate Gary, which is sad. Very sad. Well, how, but how, do you, not, how do you not – I know you don't know. I know. How I agree do you not you. play Davion I don't think Taylor. you put Davion Taylor out there. And I, I'm sure as a Pac-12 watcher yourself, you have to agree. That I, guy, I does not, I, he doesn't know how to play linebacker. It's too Neither does Nate Geary. Either does Nate. That's the thing, man. Like I would much, and, and this is the thing that you and I talk about, and and like to wrap everything full circle with the scouting academy. We Dan Hatman preaches one thing from the get go: what can the players do well? Because anybody can find what a player does bad. It's understanding what a player does well. You look at Sean McVay right now. What is he doing? He is putting his p- players who aren't world beaters by any means in a position to do well on the things that they do good. And he does it very well. Does Doug Peterson do that at all? Does he put Carson Wentz in a prominent position to take quick three-step drops, understand the RPO, where he could get the ball out quick in the first quarter? No, he's still seven-step drops to where he has to let the deep game come out. You're a West Coast guy, but your favorite thing is the deep game. Just change the air rate at that point then. like You're you're not doing any favors right now for your quarterback. You're not doing any favors yeah, right get now. Get the spread concepts out there, man. If That's what I'm saying. The- That's what I'm well, saying. Now, here's the thing. With Dallas Goddard being out, they're probably going to have to force themselves to be a more 11 person, which, I mean, they have no wide receivers either mm-hmm. at this point. But, I mean, with even with Travis Fulton, even with Dante Burnett, even with Greg Ward, even with John Hightower, I still go 11. Richard Waters isn't going to give you much at this point. I don't think Jason Krim's going to pick up the offense. Akeem offenses. Butler, baby. Akeem Butler. Man, I like Akeem Butler, but I did not. I don't know about this tight end transition. I don't know if he's going to be I think, enough. I think that, that – see, that's the thing. I was talking to Chris Malley and Chris Infante before we talked about this. I said I want him to be the Evan Ingram of this team. He'll run 99 routes and he'll block one time. That's all I want out of Hakeem Butler, and you keep Richard Rodgers in. And But the thing with Hakeem is I think it's – good that they're taking chances on young kids that are going to come in and hey maybe he didn't work out I as a wide receiver huge on the Hakeem Butler hive I was a little my irrational five receiver yeah he was my I was a little irrational with my rankings of him last year I I, I was yeah it was bad but, but would you rather do that than bring in Jordan Matthews receiver. would you rather do that than bring in Taylor Gabriel no, I would I'm completely not bringing Hakeem Butler in because I've like like we said, I mean, this whole episode is based on the fact that we kind of think they're going to bottom out and yeah. need to make some changes anyway. So, bring in the young, bring in the youth. Uh, give me the youth. Zachary, give me the youth. I don't think Zach Ertz is going to be here next year. I don't think I don't, him or Fletcher Cox will be for that matter. Why? I mean, I don't know about Fletcher yet, but I know for I don't think I money, hey, buddy. I know it stinks, but they had. I, I mean, I think they want to go more eleven, and I think they want to go more Dallas. Yeah. Uh, we can sit here and say, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The first three games is the most I've ever seen Zach Ertz covered in, double covered in his whole entire career. Mm-hmm. But even then, it looked like they schemed the game through Dallas Goddard each of those games. Now he's injured now for a while. But I think they'd rather go with Dallas Goddard, and they're going to have to pay him soon. And I think they'd rather go more 11 personnel. I think that's just 
And I, it's a complete different tune because I've huge 12 personnel advocate. They just don't have the speed on the outside. That's consistent mm-hmm. enough to make the 12 personnel a matchup nightmare like it should be. Because this should be Aaron Hernandez and Gronk, to be honest with you. This should be, that's what this, that's how good this duo is. Mm-hmm. It should be producing like that. It can't. There's no over the top game with those guys in 12 personnel because Rager was supposed to be it. He got hurt right away, right out the gate. High, Hightower, I think John Hightower runs incredible routes, but Carson Wentz is in zero chemistry right now. It's it's ugly yeah, to watch. I mean, he was going to build up. Two I'm, three I'm year not, development guys, same with Quez Watkins. Same thing, but I think getting him out there right now is huge. Get Quez out well, there. I, I it's huge on John Hightower, anyways. I think he's oh, the next same. John Brown, to be honest. So, I, and his route running is you, he, when, when I watch him out there running routes on the all 22, that's what I'm like. I'm confident in this kid. This mm-hmm. kid is not a Mac Collins, he's not a Sheldon Gibson, he's not one of their average mid round Josh Huff's mid round picks wide receivers. This kid is legit. He acts legit route running technician skills to last in the NFL. It's just the chemistry with his quarterback is not there yet. I don't know, man. I think they're just going to go more 11 personnel and go all in on Dallas Goddard next year down. And it's a huge different tune. And I, like I said, I am a big 12 personnel advocate. I think it would work a lot better if they had the consistent speed on the out, the playmaking on the outside. I think you, you were looking at one of the most innovative offenses if it was like that then because mm-hmm. you look around the league, there's no two tight ends like the Philadelphia Eagles had. I mean, because Dallas Goddard's out now. With the team Cutler coming in, I think he could be an athletic type of I mean, Evan Ingram's not that bad of a comparison because Evan Ingram's very soft as the tight end position. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe that would be something like that. Jason, I mean, the Kroom from Buffalo that they picked up too. I like Oh, they him. did pick up Kroom? Did, I'm pretty – I thought they did. I thought they had a Nebraska squad. Oh, I didn't see that. I honestly missed it. But I was going to say bring in uh, Kroom because I, I live right here in Buffalo and I've seen him play a couple times. He's pretty decent. Well, you brought that up. I was at that Buffalo game as well. I, that was a great game to be at, oh, man. fantastic game. That was, and that, we're so far removed. Yeah, the, Eagles, that, yeah, the Eagles picked up Kroom. That's what I'm saying. He's on the practice squad for a little bit, get the system down a little bit. I don't know why they went – they chose Akeem Butler. I mean, Akeem Butler was on the Panthers practice squad, so they had to sign an active roster. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the reason. But, I mean, I think they have tight end options because Rich Rogers is brutal. Terrible. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to get that. I wish they didn't cut Noah. I was a big fan of Tajay. Yeah, <laughs> now he's looking good in Indianapolis. And then, but even though Mo Alley-Cox is really the one that's mm. really shining for them right now. But Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean. But so what happens? That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. So here's basically what the emphasis of the episode that we're talking about, because I know you and I like just went in there and talked about Eagles uh, personnel, like actual roster personnel construction, but if they lose this game, you you go ahead and you're like, let's let Jim Schwartz go. Yeah, I, I would have been confident doing that after Tennessee two years ago. Yeah. I, I saw enough at that point to know that he is a guy who is could be considered the most stubborn defensive coordinator in football outside of Greg Williams, and I am confident in saying that. And would you promote Mark, Marky Manuel? 
I would. I would give him yeah. at least an interim job. I think it's not a bad idea. I think he's bringing some Mark good Daniels. concepts from the from the Atlanta tree that came from Seattle, which I think if you want to build a defense, it's that same similar Mark type. Daniels, Daniels, Seattle too. He, yeah, yeah I mean, thing. I when he was calling plays in Atlanta, he ended up being a scapegoat for Dan Quinn, which is funny. A lot of coaches are end up being a scapegoat for that guy. I by the way, everybody's talking about Dan Quinn as potential Jim Schwartz replacement. No, no thanks. No. I'm good. No, on. I don't need I, that juju I, around my all team. All the way good on that. You know. I I don't want to go to a three four again, and if he would if he would stick to the four three, there is a guy I might consider bringing in that I think people are going to be like what? It just depends how the Eagles are. It, it really depends what their mindset is. They want to keep they want to be competitive. They think they could retool real quick and be competitive. And if so, I would hire Greg Williams. I I would my I because it's funny you brought oh, him earlier, but he would have to if he would if he wants to stick if he would do a three four though. I wouldn't do that. He does like attacking style defense. Though, so I, I think he would stick with a four, three still. I think he would bring in the four, three. I don't know. But if anything, though, I would want to see what Marquis Manuel has to do though. Cause I think that's a guy that even if he was the intern, <laughs> if the defense performed well, especially the secondary, that's a guy you just go ahead and you promote then. He's definitely a featured defense coordinator in this league, no matter what, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't, uh, not Philadelphia, it's going to be somewhere. That's a guy I want to see in the interim role. I would think I, if they lose to the 49ers and Nick Mullins puts up 300-something yards, well, at least has a good type of game. I think you just have to say, you know what, this is the, we have, we're 0-3-1, looking really bad right now. Fortunately, the offense is major reason why we are, but we have to make this defensive change because Jim Schwartz is just not working out with this defense. We go ahead, we promote Marquis Manuel. We make the substitutions that we need to make with the Nick Gary. I push on Bradley and just see what mm-hmm. he has at this point. I, I I'm worried that you lose Davion Taylor because I know that you have watched him at Colorado. Man, this guy was a lengthy slot corner. He's he's <laughs> off ball backer more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I think he I think he has the athleticism to translate to the linebacker mm-hmm. position where it's going. I just don't think I think if you risk losing his potential, you throw him out there real quick because he's not going to be able to play linebacker. I think he's going to have the same results as Nick Gary. And then you, you shot his confidence and you ruined another rookie. I think I'm okay with redshirting him if that's what they decided to do and just keep him on special teams. But Sean Bradley, I hear all during training camp, he's making all these plays. He's a Temple kid. He knows how to handle the Philadelphia fans. Put him out there. Put him out there. Agreed, man. Put him out there. I, I think Put it him. all comes down to our conversation of being they need the right talent evaluators who will hire the right, right people that have the right vision, the same vision. And they will put the coaching staff in place to get these guys in the right position. Because right now, this team is a square peg in a round hole. And they've been that way since midway through 2018. And I'm just waiting every week. I'm like, oh, when's it going to change? When's it going to change? When's it going to change? Now I'm going insane that we're a year into this. Now I'm going insane that we're two years into this. Now I'm having the same conversations with my co-host that I did the first year I was on the show in year three. Because nothing is changing. And somebody who's so proactive, proactive and preaches proactiveness and look at what the Chiefs are doing and look at what Baltimore is doing on their defense and what they have been doing. And the Eagles are nowhere near this. They are a Stone Age team playing in the new millennium right now. And it, it's bad. And I, I'm frankly outright worried about the future if they don't do it soon enough. And I think you can ruin Carson Wentz. You talk about ruining these young kids. I think Carson is maybe a year away from just being outright just 
destroyed as a quarterback because of a bad situation. And it truly is just unfortunate. And now is the time. I mean, you got to find the balance. I, I say it it's like Thanos in Avengers Endgame. You got to find the balance. And that's what it comes down to. And they don't know where the balance is right now. So I here's my thing. I don't think you can fire higher as after this season, unfortunately, no, because, the cat, because the cat situation. I would. I, that's an unfavorable position to ask him to hold new executive. So, so, but I would demote him. I would tell him, you know what? This is it. You either stay with the organization in this capacity, or yeah, then we have to move on. If you disagree with it, because you cannot make these decisions anymore. We need somebody to come in that could bring us in the right talent via the draft. I say Lewis Riddick. Do you have any opinions on who do you bring in? I think Lewis Riddick definitely is a good option. Um. I think if you're going to dip into any pool of, of talent evaluators, I think just from overall understanding of personnel, I think bringing in the enemy in some form of role, it, like even if you were to fire Doug Peterson and bring in Eric Bianami, like we won't say that out loud because I don't want to put that in too many people's minds. I think it would be a good idea, but I think him understanding how a modern offense has to run and the personnel surrounding that would be a pretty decent move or your guy, like you said, out in San Fran, do something like that. Like, and, and just make it a collaborative approach. And like, you, I don't think scouting staffs and coaching staff should be as separate as they are when in decision making. I think they need to be more aligned, and mm-hmm. I think they need to start taking that approach. They are very disconnected. Yeah, it's actually kind of insane. It is it's no, it, it is insane. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, is the definition of insanity and the definition of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I gotta. I'm definitely gonna take the clip of you saying that and put it as our audio clip for the show. It's true, man. But, uh, it's funny because I do know a scout with the Eagles, and she tells me like, you write the report, you give it to the boss. They're like, thank you. Here's the next person. That's it. You don't know what the team feels about your opinion. You don't know what they feel about your scouting report. They don't know if your pick is gonna be on the board or if you're an analyst. Raise them up the board down. They don't tell you that stuff. They just tell you to write the report. And that's, yeah, that, there's got to be a better connection there. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some kind of balance. But not only that, his front office doesn't seem like he has any balance, but the coaching staff has is. So I think, so it's interesting. You just raised an interesting point. If this season just goes bottoms out, they don't go to the playoffs, they look bad, do you, you think that they should really think about moving on from Doug Peterson? I think the NFL in this day and age is a three-year cycle for players. I mean, look at the contracts being made for players and GMs, I think, and, and player evaluation for that matter. And what more can Doug Peterson do to change your opinion of who he is as a coach? Because right now I have a good understanding of him. I think he's a coach you can win with, like we talk about the scouting academy, not a coach you win because of. I don't think he's Andy Reid. I don't think he's Bill Belichick. He has to have a lot of other pieces around him go right to make things cook. I think the last two years of barely making the playoffs, if they turned out to be like they were with Chip Kelly, I don't think he would have been here after 2018 or 2019. I think it you you can't keep doing the same thing in the NFL and expecting different results. And you're in year five of this project. How far behind does it put you if you wait another year or another year? You're you're going to wait till 2027 to compete again. Like you have to do it now. You have to understand how team building occurs in the NFL. You have to understand how offenses and defenses adjust. 
I mean, we're three years removed of the RPO being the next big thing in football. Now it doesn't even matter. You know, it's, you have to be evolving constantly. And I don't think Doug Peterson, nor Jim Schwartz, nor the, I can't say Howie Roseman because this last draft, I think he did change for the better in terms of drafting athletes, but I don't think this coaching staff has. I, I frankly don't think they've done enough in the last three years to change how I thought of them when they made the trade for Golden Tate in 2018. I don't think much right. has changed since then. So I don't fire Doug after this year. Okay. I give him I think the Super Bowl buys him some time. Anyways, which I mean, you're right. If it if we're just hard holding on to the past, then you could really f- screw up your future. Yep. But they also have not given him legitimate coaching candidates mm-hmm. to deal with. Agreed. To help what like they did when he first got here. So I think you have to sit him down this offseason and say, Doug, we have to go back to what worked. We have to go back to this formula. Jim Schwartz is not working for you anymore when we first brought him in. Because I thought in 2016 that there were he the defense was well coached. Mm-hmm. I thought that myself. The corners not obviously were bad then too, but I did think that the defense, the front seven really, let's just say that, was coached pretty well. And Malcolm Jenkins actually made a huge transition from a, uh, a free safety, basically, the center field safety to box safety, uh, phenomenally under Jim Schwartz. And that year really showed it. But now you're at the point where it's obviously not working anymore. We need to go out there and bring you in a strong defensive mind. We need to find uh, – like, I guess Greg Williams would be a good point as a strong defensive mind because I'm assuming the New York Jets' whole entire coaching staff gets cut, which they will. I don't know if that's going to be that guy. Uh, it's too early. To, I'm, I'm, I can't think of defensive guys off the top of my head right now. But you bring in a, you bring in a strong defensive presence. Mm-hmm. You find that guy. And then you tell him, no, we need to find you that Frank. We think you're a great coach. We think you're a great play designer. We think if you need to tear up your system in the middle of a season because your backup quarterback's in there and he's struggling and you need to go something comfortable, we know that you're you're capable of doing that. But we need to have the guys around you to, to help those transitions, to help those changes because when things don't go in structure, when things don't go – like when our roster, when players go down – it seems like you panic, man. It seems like you don't mm. know how to use other guys that are below us. We can get you that Frank Wright type voice and a Jay Gruden when he comes in here and he he's worked with Andy Dalton before his ups and downs and got them through it. He's had great seasons under him. He's helped Kirk Cousins through his ups and downs. He's had great passing seasons underneath him. He can help Carson Wentz with his ups and downs. He can help you be creative in the play calling. He can also help you in just in game when things don't go according to plan because, hey, he was with Cincinnati and Washington, and those organizations, nothing goes according to plan for mm-hmm. them. This is the guy that we can help you. And he's also been a head coach in this league, and he's failed as a head coach in this league. So we can help you make sure that you don't go down that path that he went through. Because Jacksonville is going to probably clean house at the end of the season as well. That's what I would do personally. And I know Jake Green's reputation right now is a little trash because whatever's going on with Washington, Dan Snyder, and everything like that. But – from a coaching standpoint only, I'm not talking about the person. If they find out anything like that since this podcast has been recorded, I would obviously not advocate for Jay Gruden. But even a Mike McDaniel, the thing about Mike McDaniel is I, he, Jay Gruden wouldn't get a head coaching spot again. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever going to happen for him in, in his career. Mike McDaniel will definitely get hired yeah. as a head coach, if, if, if not even this offseason. That's my thought too, like because I was thinking that I love the Graham Harrell idea that they were going for last. I thought year. that too because Graham Harrell would, could be really innovative and, and creative. Yeah. I just think he probably heard, you know, you got you can have some say in 
you could draw some stuff up, but you know, this is all Doug's right. thing. And he I, was if, like, if they did what you said though, and he, and he had to have somebody be like his right hand man, I would pay somebody from college, Lincoln Riley, somebody like that. A, a billion dollars, as much money as you could offer an offensive coordinator. I, I know a billion is ridiculous, but somebody that is just going to shake things on their head because you look at Lincoln Riley, he's had four different style quarterbacks in the last four years and changed his offense four different times. Like that's the type of mind you need. Uh, yeah. But if you hire Lincoln Riley, you're hiring him as the Philadelphia that, Eagles head coach. That, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, but, but the thing is you, you need those type of minds because Connor, is Carson Wentz a bad quarterback in your opinion? No. Can yeah, you no, win because of Carson Wentz in this league? We've seen yeah. it multiple times. Get him somebody that does him the service that he did to us in 2017 by getting us a first round, a first overall seed to get us that buy. We need to do him the service and get him reliable wide receivers and get him a head coach who can put him in a position to be successful because right now – I, he just doesn't look comfortable. I just don't think he trusts yeah. Doug. I think he's in his head too much. I, I think it's just a bad spot for your quarterback to be, a bad spot for your coach to be, a bad spot for Howie to be in. Just overall, it's just a bad, bad place to be right now. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that they probably had a handshake deal with everything, but, man, I would have loved Joe Brady and – as the Eagles offensive so Joe Brady and Mobile, and he had the nicest pair of Jordans on that I think I've ever seen in my life. Coolest man alive, like just an outright great individual. I mean, he's a wide receiver guru too. Mm-hmm. He can get taught with New Orleans in LSU. He's it, it's only three games in, and Teddy's kind of looking a little rough over there in Carolina. But it's going to happen with DJ Moore and Robbie. And Robbie Anderson actually looks insanely good. Robbie Anderson is actually looking like a complete. I said to trade for him the last three years. I, I was just waiting for him to come to Philadelphia. Joe Brady would have been the guy that I would have mm. been all in on this offseason. And that mentality is a way that you have to go. Like that's what the NFL is, man. It's it's these pro. See, I think that's the. Now they have to think that way. I don't yes. think they were thinking that before. I think they were thinking, you know. Doug's an our, our offensive coach. Mm-hmm. If you don't say yes to Doug, you don't come to Philly. Now they have to be like, Doug, it's not working anymore. Right. Like you have to. We need to compliment. We need to keep you for your strengths and compliment you for your weaknesses, and get you a Frank Reich type head coach. And everybody's gonna be like, I mean, excuse me, offensive coordinator. And everybody's gonna be like, John D. Filippo. I mean, he can be OC. That's never going to happen again. That's done. Mm-hmm. It's over with. I, I think there's some bad blood because the Eagles, he had so many opportunities to become Jets offensive coordinator, and he would have became the Jets offensive coordinator, and then Jeffrey Lurie blocked it. Uh, and that's why the rule really changed. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Lurie really is the one who sparked that rule change. Uh, but I think that that's uh, that ship has sailed. Uh, the option should never be discussed again as a potential offensive coordinator. That's why I went in with some different options. But I was all in on the Graham Harrell train. I'm glad you brought that up. I was all in on him as offensive coordinator. I mean, that USC offense is so mm-hmm. – they just Go watch the clip. Uh, anybody that's listening, uh, he did a breakdown on – I think it was Fox either a week or two ago breaking down USC's offense. And, man, it is – it's – spread offense it's what we should be running and it's like we're still forcing the middle of the He's field about to get a, he, he didn't want to i mean he probably didn't want to cater to doug peterson's system is probably what the main reason why mm-hmm. he didn't come here but i mean he's gonna get a college head coaching job soon too For sure. so he probably wanted to stick with calling plays and showing teams that he could be a head coach but 
I mean, I'm glad you and I seem to be on the same page about what the changes need to be. It Absolutely. seems to be you're 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 prepared to strip Howie Roseman of his play calling duties. I mean, excuse me, his personnel duties, and then Doug Peterson. I mean, you're out. It seems like you're out. Um, I'm not out on Doug. I'm out on the idea of how Doug has handled this team in the last two years. And I don't, I think he's a great individual. Like, let, let me get that. I think Doug Peterson as a person is a fantastic individual. I think what he did in 2017 will never be replicated maybe ever by an Eagles coach of getting that unit together and just overcoming every sort of adversity. But, the way I measure, like somebody above me is like the manager, like at a re- like at a restaurant, like you ask a waiter, like oh, what do you think your manager? And like oh, I don't really trust him. Gives me like doesn't really, I, I don't really trust him. Doesn't put me in a good position. Blah blah blah. Like I think you're gonna hear more people say that about Doug down the line than you will right now. I I just think they're, I don't think he's put his team, and I it's a disservice because all these guys are world class athletes and world-class players that deserve to get to the National Football League. I think he has done this team, this city, and these players a disservice the last two years. And, like, say what you want about getting to the playoffs. Nine and seven isn't where this team wants to be. It is not where this team wants to be. This team needs to be that early 2000s, 12-4, and 13-3 team with one by – team getting a buy now it's even more evident that you need that and if you're unwilling to adapt week to week quarter to quarter even half of the season to half of the season in the NFL you're not going to win many games and you're not going to get to many playoff appearances and I think a lot of good luck lucked them into the last two years I mean on the last final two days of the season they got there the last two years but ultimately the saving grace of Doug Peterson and how he's overcome adversity in the last three years has also been his downfall because yes, he has overcame it in some aspects, but in others, he's just failed to adapt. And if you're not evolving, you're staying the same. And the Eagles have stayed the same for quite some time now. Yeah. I mean, that's perfectly put right there, my friend. That's perfectly put. I, I think Dub is a good head coach. I think he just, once he's in over his head, it's just going to be rough sailing from there mm-hmm. to that point. And I think the Bengals game really showed that. I think he was been way over his head of what he can call for the game plan, that game play calling, all that stuff. Cause Goddard was out. They couldn't do, I mean, they were still one 12, 12 personnel, but they couldn't go to their weapon to take advantage of it uh, with Zach Ertz being double covered. And then the whole overtime decision was complete blunder. And he even admitted he would go back and change it now. I just think he's in over his head. See, right that, that's it. Help. That decision put me over the edge. Because as much as this team prides themselves on saying they self-scout, Doug Peterson, how many times he said, oh, I'll go back and self-scout, self-scout. They're the worst self-scouting team in the entire world. Because you have all this information. You have all this data, analytics. I've seen stuff from uh, that this technology that people are working with tracking players and understanding where they are on the field. In the blink of an eye, you can just get all these heat maps and all this crazy analytical stuff that will just blow your mind. And to punt in that situation – just goes to say that I don't care what the information is. I'm just going to ignore it, and I'm going to play not to lose. And that's what a coach who is scared to lose their job does. And if Doug doesn't think that he is in a position to be ridiculed, I don't think he makes that decision. I think he lets Jake Elliott kick the ball like he did in 2017 in that same position against the Giants in week three. And here we are playing 
to not to lose and taking that information that there's so many examples of that exact situation and you just said no I'm gonna be Doug Peterson and I'm gonna stick to my ways and it could be a a, a beautiful thing that individuals stick to their individuality but when they aren't able to understand change it's very bad and can harm a lot of people around them and I think with Doug and Jim that's exactly what is happening yeah mind you have to make some changes when stuff like that happens you have to Absolutely. bring in a new offensive mind like we discussed and change the whole defense up so Gino I mean do you feel like they win tomorrow I mean excuse me do you feel like they went on Sunday against San Francisco <laughs> I've bet against them, or actually, I bet with them last week. And frankly, I'm just like a mush, and I, I knew that that bet wasn't going to be good. I've been on three. I've been on three picking for them so far. Seven and a, seven points with nobody playing wide receiver for them yeah. either. I mean, with Nick Mullins, I think I think the Eagles cover, but I I think oh, Debo's back. Debo's playing for this game. Yeah, and I I don't know. I, it could either be they they do what they did against Green Bay last year and they just put together this crazy good week four performance where they knew they were in a rough situation. They had to beat a better team. Or we see the first three weeks. I'm leaning towards the latter. Yeah, I'm picking against them this week for mm-hmm. one. Maybe it'll help them win if I pick against them. Yeah. We'll see. Like, maybe it can help out. But all right, you know, Locked On Eagles. You guys can catch that podcast on available on every podcast platform you yourself and your co-host louie do a great job over there you guys are Thank phenomenal you, i had to have you on to have this little discussion because you you and i have this in-depth personal little discussions and then we we think this way so i was like let's go ahead and just bring it on the podcast bring it on an episode yeah, if not just connor if anybody wants to chat with me about stuff like this as long as you're willing to have a informed conversation i'm willing to talk yeah, as long as you're willing exactly. to understand different perspectives and come to this shared reality, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. And look at, I got the the flag on my wall. You got everything back there. We're, we're Eagles fans at the end of the day, man. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. If you don't want to see this team succeed, I don't want to. I don't want you to be a fan because these guys they're all working their ass off to get there, man. Like I don't think Carson Wentz wants to go home every day and hear all this crap said about him. He wants to go and have time with his daughter, and and Zach Ertz wants to spend time with Julie, like. These guys leave it on the field, and, like, we need to leave it on the field, too. Like, we need to treat these guys as actual individuals and and just know that we're supporting these guys to succeed, and you want people to succeed, give them that positive energy. I'm the positivity pod. I like to call it over at Lockdown Eagles. So if you guys are willing to have an informed discussion and talk shop, that's all I do is watch football 24-7, man. And I know Connor does it, too, and I'm I'm all about this game. I think it's changed a lot of people's lives for the better. It's changed my life for the better. I'm sure it's changed Connor's life for the better, and I just want to give back to it as much as it's given back to me. And thank you for having me on, man, and hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. We definitely will, my man. Thank you for coming on. You got it, my guy. Take care. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity.
Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.